How are you doing today? All right. I've been given the opportunity to speak to you, so I won't hold you too long, all things being equal. I was just reflecting on the last few years. It's been rather unusual time, hasn't it, in so many ways. And I've kind of had this sense that the church has been in a time of containment. I know physically it has, but I think spiritually we've been somewhat contained in our expression and in our outreach. And uh, it's my sense that God is going to change that. Not simply because of the, the change in circumstances related to COVID, but I think spiritually speaking, God is going to bring us into a time of expansion and uh, growth. Uh, by the way, if you don't know who I am, my name's Phil. If you do know who I am, my name's Phil. So I think there's going to be this sense of expansion and growth in the church in general, despite the fact that society is kind of ramping up to perhaps make that more difficult. But God wants to see his church grow. He hasn't changed his mind. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Correct? And that's still his plan. That's still his purpose. And so I think in the sense, in, in the interim period of this sense of growth and development, I think that we are coming in for a time of preparation. And preparation means all kinds of things. It means uh, physical activities, it means spiritual activities, it means changes, etc. But I've just put a few thoughts together this morning, perhaps that may help us in terms of what this preparation could look like for us as individuals and us as a church. I'd like to... Uh, refer you to Acts chapter 20 and verse 32 to 38. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It should be up on the screen for you. And this is Paul speaking. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never covered anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine had worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. Now I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. This is the last meeting between the Apostle Paul and the church that he established. This is the last meeting between the elders and the pastors of this highly significant church at Ephesus. And in many respects, it's a rather sad and heartbreaking story. I've said before that last words are often very, very important words. What would be the last, if you knew you weren't going to see someone ever again, what would be the last things you said to them? I'm sure it wouldn't be about the weather. I'm sure it would be something deep and significant in your life. Something deep and significant that you wanted to communicate to those with whom you are relating. So last words 
are often, if not always, significant and weighty words. Prior to the verses I just read, the Apostle Paul talked to the elders and the pastors about some of the issues that they would face, such things as wolves coming in, false teachers, and talking to them about the need to be sacrificial, etc. So you can read that for yourself in those previous verses. But the very last thing that Paul said to these people was this. He said, remember, remember. And the word there in the Greek is an active word. It means to call to mind. To call to mind intentionally. So Paul is saying to these guys, when I leave and from the time I leave into the future, I want you to do something, do the stuff I've told you. But he said, remember, call to mind the words of Jesus. What were the words of Jesus? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is what the ESV paraphrase, well, this is how the ESV paraphrase puts this verse. You should remember what Jesus himself said. It may make you happy when you receive things, but it makes you more happy when you give things to someone. What does it mean in the biblical sense to be blessed? What's this word blessed? It's more blessed or blessed to give than to receive. It's kind of counterintuitive. Matt uses that term a lot. It's counterintuitive. We think it's more blessed to receive. And that's certainly to some degree our view. It's certainly the, the, the view of society. More blessed to receive. No, it's counterintuitive. It's back to front, if you like. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's how God sees it. So what does this blessed mean? It means fundamentally, it means to be fortunate. It means to have a sense of pleasure, a feeling of contentment. It also means that it's consistent with the nature of God. Giving and caring are of the highest value in the kingdom of God. Giving, not getting. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. The adding comes from God. What we are to take care of is the seeking and the giving. Now, I said this a long time ago, and it bears repeating, I'm not unhappy, okay? I frown a lot. I'm deliriously happy, honestly. With this in mind, this giving rather than getting business, let's look at an incident in the life of Jesus as he trained his disciples. And this particular incident, and you'll be so familiar with it, is to be found in all four Gospels, the Synoptics and the Gospel of John. And I want to take a few thoughts from these different verses and try and recreate, if I can, the conversation that, that Jesus was having with his disciples around this particular issue. And the, verse, the chapters in the verses are Mark 14, 1 to 21, Mark 6, 30 to 44, Luke 14, 30 to 21, and John 6, 5 to 30. I'm sure they got that. 
Just so you know, I'm reading from the Bible. Let's start with John 6, verse 5. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Now, the disciples saw the crowd and it would appear that they were sympathetic to their situation because we see how they responded to seeing the crowd. And it said, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go by to near uh, farms and villages and buy something to eat. So the disciples' immediate response and response in the natural to the need that they saw was send them away and let them deal with it. Now, it wasn't they were heartless. That's just how they saw it. They didn't perceive or understand that there was another solution to that situation. So what was Jesus' solution? He said, no, 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 you feed them. Their response was, well, with what? With what? They said this, we have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people, 5,000 men, potentially 10 to 15,000 people, if you had women and children. A vast crowd, Jesus said, no, no, you feed them. Then Jesus turned to Philip and asked, well, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip because he already knew what he was doing. He wasn't asking Philip for information about what to do. He was merely saying, this is an impossible task. Even if there were sufficient shops open at this time of the day, we would not be able to get sufficient bread and food to fill the people. He was testing Philip to see what was in Philip's heart. But it says, for he already knew what he was going to do. So he asked the question, how much bread do you have? In other words, what have you got? What have you got? Then Andrew, Simon's Peter brother spoke up. Well, uh, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Five, 10, maybe 15,000 people, five barley loaves, two fish. And this was the response from Andrew. But what good is that? What's, what good is that? Jesus tells them to sit down. He blesses the food. He distributes the food. He feeds all of them with 12 baskets left over. He knew what he was going to do and he did it. See, the thing is, he could have done it without them, but he chose not to because he wanted to include them in the blessing of giving. So he asked them the question, what have you got? It would appear from reading these different verses that the disciples felt completely inadequate 
in relationship to the task ahead, in relationship to the quest that Jesus made of them. You feed them. This overwhelming, overarching sense of inadequacy overcame them. And so Andrew's response, I guess speaking on behalf of the disciples, is what good is what we've got in relationship to what we see in front of us. Interestingly, and this is one of the commentators I was reading about these passages, not only was the lunch too small or inadequate, in fact, it was a very poor quality lunch. Just thought I'd let you know that. No, it's significant. It was five barley loaves and two fish. It was rough peasant food. The bread was a poor quality bread and the fish were merely to try and flavour the bread. So from the perspective of the disciples, we read about it, now we look back and think whatever, they were in the middle of this. They looked at the crowd, they heard what Jesus said for them to do and they looked at the lunch. Not only was it ridiculously small, but it wasn't very good. They didn't think what they'd been given was good enough to give to the people. Insufficient and inadequate. This is just my thoughts. I would imagine that they felt what Jesus had asked of them was unfair. You feed them. With what? Yet, All the while, while all this stuff was going on in their thinking, the one who was standing with them had the capacity to perform a miracle with the meager offering that he asked them to bring to him. But we only have five loaves and two bread. Jesus said, bring them here. In other words, give them to me. Give me what you've got and I'll multiply it and bless it and make it adequate is what Jesus was saying to these guys. Jesus could have done it, as I said, by himself, but he chose not to. Why? Because he wanted them to understand, not just for them, but for their entire ministry lives. He wanted them to understand the blessedness of giving. More blessed to give than it is to receive. Secondly, Jesus wanted to teach them an unforgettable lesson of what he is able to do in seemingly impossible situations. So why did Jesus include them? Let me just reiterate what I just said. Firstly, he wanted them to understand the blessedness of giving. Secondly, he wanted to teach them the unforgettable lesson of what he is able to do in seemingly impossible situations. And thirdly, to train them for the future 
ministry he was calling them to do. He was preparing them for when he left and when they were called to act on his behalf. Well, did the disciples learn the lesson? This lesson, plus all the other lessons he was teaching them over the three, three and a half year period? Well, of course he did, and of course they did. Let's look at Acts chapter three and verses two to six together in the ESV version. English Standard Version. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those who were entering the temple. He asked for alms, but he got legs. Um, Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked for alms. Peter directed his gaze at him, and as did John, and said, look at us. And this guy, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter and John fundamentally says, I don't have what you expect, but what I do have, I give you. Did they learn their lesson? Yeah, they did. They didn't say to this guy, well, off you go or go and whatever. No, the situation in front of them now was handled far differently than the situation, just as impossible as it was before. But there was an intervening period of training, etc., which we'll get into. I always have in my brain the old King James, James Version. Whoever reads the King James Version, the, the old, the original, the yea, verily, okay. It says this, such as I have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, arise and work, walk. These are the same people, the same men. But these are the same men now knowing what Jesus can do. These are the same men who know what Jesus can do in an impossible situation with the something that seems so inadequate. These are the same men who have been trained by his example. Jesus didn't merely say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. He lived like that. These are the same men now empowered by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And these are the same men who are now authorised by God to minister in his name. If we had time, we'd go to a few verses later and you'll see when they're in front of the Sanhedrin and they said, how come you did this and by what authority? He said, it's not by any power that we have, but it's by faith in the name of Jesus that this man stands before you whole. Authorised, empowered and using by faith the name of Jesus which they're instructed to do. 
Peter and John now activated their faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit, having learnt the lesson, having understood the miraculous power of God, now activating their faith and ministering to this man's impossible situation. The guy had been there for 25 years and no one could help him. Such as I have, they said, give I unto you. Have you ever asked the same questions? Have you? I have. Have we ever asked the same questions in view of the, of the colossal task that's in front of us of world evangelization? Have you ever asked the task, how do I help my neighbour? How, how, how? Andrew came up with the same answer as Andrew. Well, what good is this? I feel inadequate. I feel what I've got is inadequate. What can I possibly do? What can we possibly do? What can we do in view of the needs that we see in our society? The Holy Spirit shows you a need and prompts you. And he asks you the question, he asks me the question, what is it you've got? Have you ever asked that question? Has God ever asked you, what is it that you have? When you're standing in front of a situation of need, how do we respond? Does the thing the Lord asks of us seem unfair? Does it seem impossible? Does it seem overwhelming? Does it, is it easy just to do nothing? Or send them away? Do you, do we, do I, do we feel immobilized? Contained, constrained? And like the disciples, it's not that we are heartless. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we don't want to. It's simply that we don't think we can. Because what we think we have in relationship to what we see just seems so insignificant and inadequate. It's like, Andrew, it's just a kid's lunch. What good is that? But folks, God doesn't expect any more from us than simply sharing what we've been given. He can do it by himself and often he does. But for the most part, he uses the church. For the most part, he uses individuals because he wants us and you and I to share in the blessedness of giving. He wants us to be partakers in the miracle, to be blessed and to see others blessed. Do you think when those guys saw Jesus feed the 5,000, they were blessed? 
their lives would have been revolutionized. Then there was the 4,000. So what do we do? Should we find ourselves, I'm just speaking for myself, you may not feel like I do. When confronted with some situation, have this sense of inadequacy, you go, well, it's just a kid's lunch. What do you do? So what do I do? Let me make some suggestions. For a start, remember the words of Jesus. Call to mind the words of Jesus. Deliberately, in that situation, when a situation is in front of you or a situation is in front of us, call to mind. Do it. Call to mind his words. And in particular, this one, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Remember, call to mind that Jesus is still a miracle worker. He's still a miracle worker. Remember what he can do. Think, call to mind, contemplate, think of what he did. And I said a few weeks ago, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember that we've been authorized and called to minister in his name. We've been authorized. We've been given his name. We are empowered by, filled with the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Remember what he's done in your own life. Call to mind the things that God has accomplished in your life. And remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And remember and learn from the disciples' journey. There were fishermen. He said, leave your nets and I'll make you fishers of men. Remember the disciples' journey. And remember the words of the Apostle Paul when he said this, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? Everything that God asks of you, everything that God calls you to, you can do through Christ because of the strength he gives you through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Let me just paraphrase again, read the paraphrase of that verse that I started off with, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. 
you should remember what Jesus said. It may make you happy when you receive things, but it makes you more happy when you give things to someone else. I would encourage you folks, in this season of preparation, to step out in faith on the basis of who he is and what he's capable of doing. What have you got? You've got time, you've got energy, you've got money, you've got love, you've got spiritual gifts, etc. We have got so much to give. And Jesus said this when he sent the 70 out to minister. He said this to them, freely you have received, freely give. Just before I go and sit down, I want to put a quote up there. I want to leave it up there while we sing the closing whatever song. And it's by William Carey. William Carey was the great missionary in, in, in India. In fact, William Carey preached this, a sermon in Nottingham in 1792, just a few decades ago. And on the basis of this sermon and this statement, the Baptist missionary endeavor throughout the world was begun. And it's this, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God.